This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. I just want to start off saying I love Marvel comics. <laughs> do you? I do. I mean, different. I mean, that's what them. this episode is about, right? I mean, not really. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm busy. I can't record now. I'm busy doing other things. More fun. All right. Bye. Well, I'm going to start. All right. Bye. Steven Shrygar. And I am your host with the most, Brian Edwards. <laughs> I'm trying out a new way of saying my name. Is you, it working? You try out a new way every episode. I know. I don't know what feels right yet. We'll, we'll get there. I mean, you don't have to settle on anything. Maybe that's your thing is you, uh, you try something new every time. And none of it ever works. <laughs> Well, are you excited for today's episode? I don't know. <laughs> what well, are we talking about? Uh, well, we have been enjoying this new TV series called Loki. Um, is that the Marvel Comics TV show on Disney Plus? Yes, it is. That's my favorite show. <laughs> is it? <laughs> are you, is it? I mean, it's pretty good. It is really good. Um, we, it's it's probably the most like interesting of all. I, I shouldn't say the most interesting, but it probably is the most interesting of the Marvel shows so far. Yeah. I mean, I loved WandaVision, and that was interesting, but this has so much more going on that I really can't wait to see what they do. Yeah. You know, I'm a sucker for timeline things and, and just general things that deal with time and parallel timelines and, and all this those is things. like probably the most like based off the movies series we've had so far yeah like the other one like falcon winter soldier and and uh wandavision were both like heavy on it but yeah this is like spoiler takes moment like starts moments after the end of endgame yeah or at least the events in endgame right so it's like it literally picks up right as it leaves off and not in the way that Falcon Winter Soldier do, in a way right. that's really cool and interesting, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, that... so are you, is we're talking about Marvel. Is that is that? No, we're not talking about Marvel. Oh, we're oh. actually going to be talking about Norse mythology. Oh yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a big fan of mythology in general, so I, I do know a little bit about the Norse, the Norse mythology pantheon. You yeah, got, you got Thor, Thor. You got, you got Odin, Odin. You got Loki. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm now just naming characters also in the Marvel movies. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of them show up in in there. I mean, it's uh, we'll talk about how Marvel connects to all of it. And uh, Norse mythology is probably one of my favorite mythologies out there. I used to think that greek mythology used to be my favorite but the more embedded into mythologies 
the I got, the more I really enjoyed Norse mythology. I prefer the Greek, actually, for me. <laughs> I don't say that because I prefer it. It's not really the right way, I think, to say it. I just find I like the like ancient Greek stories and like the yeah the stuff that they achieved and and in the time felt a little like to me and maybe I'm just biased. A lot of the Norse mythology and the Norse like stories feel like most of it's just revolves around like heavy drinking and partying and in a way that doesn't. Yeah. I know that happened a lot in the Greek. It just seems less. Like, uh, what's the word? Like, debaucherous. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the right worry to say it. In a way that just the, the I think because the Norse always seem a lot more violent with a lot of their like tales. Yeah, I mean they're more like conquest I think than the Greeks were. Right. We have to think about the fact that these are in two different portions of oh, the yeah. world. Totally, they're not even they're like it's not even a case of like the Roman Greek. Right comparison where it's like like they have similar like gods, but they're not even close to being the same origin or the same stories, or it's much more independent. Right. right. I mean, I mean they're still within Europe, but they at the time of these developing, and I actually think I mean if I'm correct, so please don't at me if I'm incorrect. <laughs> at him, destroy him. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure that Norse mythology is much younger than Greek and just overall kind of understanding of, of these stories. But oh, yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, you can just see that even with their ancient Norse is not nearly as like bare boned as, as like ancient Greek. Right. Like findings are right. Like you have a lot more knowledge of like technology and construction and building and stuff that you see more prominent with Norse like archaeological finds. Right. Um, but speaking of which, let's start kind of with like a history lesson. Oh so, boy, I hope this isn't super long and boring. <laughs> I hope it isn't, but you know it's always important to, uh, to have at least a basic understanding of where we got these things from. So uh, Norse mythology is uh, from the North Germanic peoples, which is, uh, is like, kind of known right. as Scandinavia right now. Oh, I was gonna say Germany, but I guess is that too? Is that too? Uh, Actually, that's um, so. I'll get there. At, so not Germany. Uh, so it's almost like uh, Germanic mythology is. The like that the head of this thing and Norse mythology is just a branch mm. of this Germanic mythology. So mm. Norse mythology specifically uh, is targeted around Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden, and then it kind of extends out into Greenland and the Faroe Islands. Mm. Uh, Germanic mythology consists of. Norse mythology, as I just said, but it also includes Anglo-Saxon mythology and continental Germanic mythology. So today's just about Norse, so we're not even going to worry about Anglo-Saxon mythology. Said, although I didn't realize those had distinct <laughs> mythology. So actually, if are you familiar with Beowulf? Yeah, Beowulf is Anglo-Saxon 
kind of based. Oh, I thought was thought it was Norse. Nope, Anglo-Saxon. So uh, I See, would folks, love, I would love to one day do Anglo-Saxon mythology, and Beowulf is like one of the coolest things i ever read so see see we're bringing you new information every day (laughs) um but within norse mythology most of the sources that we get are from iceland it's the Mm. the hot spot of norse mythology uh the oral tradition that survived through the christianization of scandinavia Mm. uh, was collected and recorded in manuscripts so a lot of what we have written down can be skewed i guess from what it used to be uh because um as we know oral tradition kind of every time you you speak it and somebody else hears it they the new person kind of has their own understanding yeah, that's, that's and interpretation a lot of, of, a lot of how mythology spread is by right because it would be oftentimes it was like and, and i'm speaking more so from what I, my knowledge of greek mythology and that's right i think i should preface a lot of my like references might be more right traditionally greek but i know like there was a big like cultural like expe- expectation of being hospitable so you'd like right. always have people who were traveling you welcome them into your home and they would beguile you with tales that they had heard on their t- stories and that's why you have stories of like the cyclops when really the cyclops wasn't a one-eyed giant right he was probably just bigger man that yeah. maybe just was exaggerated to this to this monster because that's right. what they would do. Right, absolutely. And that's kind of why there are so many varying stories in Norse mythology. Why Norse mythology is one of the hardest to pin down because it was passed along orally for so I think long. That's honestly a big reason why I have such a I, I have a hard time knowing a lot. It's it gets just, so like there are so many different places where there's so many different ways to to interpret things, and a lot of sources say one thing and yeah, another says something I, I, different. I get that vibe a lot when I was yeah when I have like interest in reading up on stuff. It was always like really counter to what yeah. other stories would say, and then it would. It would contradict. Contradict. Yeah. It would contradict other stories and also, like, it always felt a little more vague to me. Yeah. There never seemed to be real, like, concrete stories that were like, this is exactly what happened. It was always kind of like, it may have happened this way. We don't know. Right. Well, and what makes the, the sources that we have now even more kind of skewed is the fact that the sources that we have are written after the christianization of scandinavia Mm. so a lot of these things are almost kind of allegorical interpretations of so like using using the norse myths to kind of uh aid the christians uh give the people of that area something to remember while the christians were also kind of pushing their own agenda in a way Uh, And again, this is all within a very long period of time ago. So there are a lot of things that could have happened at that time. But um, so the Christianization of Scandinavia happened around the 8th century and went into the 12th century. Uh, And the texts that we get, the biggest texts that we get are the prose edda and the poetic edda uh, which were primarily created primarily created in the 13th century so christianization has already happened 
The Prose Edda was composed in the 13th century by the Icelandic historian and poet Snorri, which <laughs> I am completely botching that word up, but I can't I think like of another it. other way to say Snorri. You uh, know, you you can get a little Snorri when you sleep, babe. <laughs> Um, but it's funny that a poet wrote the quote unquote prose Edda. You know, it's hilarious. It, it is, is the really funniest, is so, the funniest thing so I've funny. ever heard hearing a poet write the quote unquote prose Edda. <laughs> that is so funny. You should be a comedian. <laughs> uh, and the Poetic Edda was anonymously compiled in the 13th century from traditional material. Um, there are other texts like the sagas that continue to provide further insight. Uh, but the Eddas are the two biggest things that we get. Uh, and where most stories that we get are today. Cool. I was going to make a stupid joke about how my favorite Edda is Edda James, but then that was so stupid. <laughs> Not that kind of Edda. I know. She's a queen, though. Yeah. I have a question for you. Do you remember the game Smite? Kind of. I played it like three times when I was way back in the day dating someone who loved that game. And I played because he played I mean, I kind of had a similar experience, but uh, I always I just, just a I just know it's a it's a video game like a uh, a MOBA. Yeah, a MOBA game for those who don't know what MOBA means. It's a multiplayer online battle arena type game where yeah, it's basically you play as a main character on usually a team of other characters against a different team, and you like have to do these little objectives in this online arena type right. setting and then there's like rounds and matches and there's not really like it's not like an adventure game it's just basically everything happens kind of if anyone who doesn't know smite it's like league of legends or dota for other video game fans who know of those right. games but the difference is with smite they use gods and gods like, from like all pantheons all pantheons except for, except for i don't think that they have jesus in there no, they don't have the Christian. They don't have like the yeah. It's a it's, it becomes a touchy subject. Yeah, but uh, my favorite. Could you imagine though having like Jesus fight like Anubis? <laughs> that would be so fucking amazing. <laughs> that would be make me want to play Smite. Yes, if I could have Jesus and the Holy Spirit on my side as I take down fucking Medusa. <laughs> I don't think Medusa is a play. She's not really a god. I think they added her. Did they? I, I think mean, they expanded beyond think, uh, yeah, gods. Yeah, it meant and... more like just myth, myths in general. Yeah. But could you um, imagine? <laughs> My favorites were always to play the Norse gods. Uh, specifically, uh, Hel, uh, Uller, and Tyr. Those were my three favorites of all time to play. I was overpowered with hell. Uh, I got really, <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> that sounds so wrong, but I'm saying like, I've been, I'm overpowered with hell for a different reason. And this is H E L not H E double hockey sticks. Uh, <laughs> this is the hell of Helheim. Yes. A Helheim. Uh, but yeah, hell was one of my favorites because she was both offense and the healer at the same time you just switch back and forth between her two different personalities and uh 
it was so much fun but uh i don't remember what i played i didn't play enough where i was like familiar with anyone or any of the characters unfortunately yeah the c this is where this is where the tables turn from last episode now you're the gamer i'm the gamer now exactly i'm not the gamer <laughs> i don't like mobas though that's why i never got into it i, don't I like... didn't like it either especially the community was starting to uh that's become is... really really toxic and a I lot of mobile communities playing. are always toxic because they're yeah. like they're way too obsessed with the game to be able to have any fun with it right um but much like smite as we were talking about like uh they're using other creatures and powerful monsters that aren't really gods. Uh, Norse mythology in general is not always just about the gods. Uh, there is a third group that often gets associated with them uh, that are not gods themselves. Um, You're talking about like the... The Jotnar? Oh, no, that's not what I was The giants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of the... Um... Because they, they do a lot more with, like, demigods than I think a lot of other pantheons do. I was thinking of them. Yeah, the, the Norse mythology kind of gets really kind of... The, the the whole, like, difference between a god and a, like a, and a giant and a human kind of starts to blend together a whole lot more than Greek mythology, Roman mythology, or uh, even with a lot of other mythologies, like Hindu and whatnot. But... Uh, so the three big groups in the the, uh, the pantheon are the Aesir, the Vanir, and the Jotnar. With the Jotnar, I was being... thinking the Aesir and Vanir difference. Right, that's right. what I was thinking of, not the Jotnir. Right, um, the Aesir are the principal pantheon of the Norse yeah, yeah, religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they consist of uh, gods like Odin, Frigg, Hodor, Thor, Baldur, and Tyr. Is Freya part of that, or is she Vanir? Freya was Vanir. Okay. I yeah. Know, I know. That's a lot of, like, that's a not, oh, actually a lot of uh, more modern kind of interpretations, uh, taking Freya in as the, uh, like, one of the more... Because um, well, she's, like, an important figure in north mythology more than the other vanir are right absolutely which is i think why i like i i'm i could be mistaken to think that she was Aesir only because right she's like she's like kind of like the hera or like the um athena type kind of more of the athena absolutely i just meant like like the, the right like on par with like the big wigs of, right of the pantheon right. um besides freya her brother, I'm pretty sure it's her brother, and again, it all depends on the sources. Freyr, uh, those were the two most important Vanir. Um, mm. The Vanir were associated with health, fertility, wisdom, and the ability to see the future. Whereas opposed to the Aesir, they were the gods of power and war, mm. uh, which they had prominence uh in the uh the northern germanic peoples because they believed that those who died valiantly in battle would go to essentially heaven to fight out the final battle anybody who didn't die in battle was essentially condemned to uh, a afterlife of misery mm. uh the only god 
and I mentioned this before when talking about Smite, that isn't really part of any is Uller. Uh, he's often considered the uh, dreaded god of winter, mm. uh, sometimes considered to be part of either the Vanir or the Aesir, um, but he is rarely ever talked about in any of the myths. Uh, he kind of pops up every once in a while as this kind of hunter, uh, always carrying a bow and arrow, but he is to be very feared by everybody, including the gods, because he brings on the winter, and the winter brings death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for especially those who uh, were not in battle, if you died during the winter, you were still sent to the afterlife in misery. So the reason why the Vanir and the Aesir kind of uh, melded into one is because they had a big war, and Odin holds Freya and Freya as hostages to ensure mm. that the Vanir didn't rise up against the Aesir ever again. That's why gods like Freya start to become known as just just any old god in the Norse mythology. That makes sense. So I think that is going to be where we stop right now to take a bit of a break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about Norse mythology in our current culture. Can't wait. It all depends on what ads we've got this week, so uh, it'll be quick or it will be long. Who knows? That's the fun thing is it doesn't matter because I record this. And then you never see it again. And then never see it again. <laughs> well, let's jump in to see how Norse mythology is kind of embedded into our more modern culture. I mean, we've already talked about a bit of it. We've talked about Loki already. Uh, we talked well, I mean, about Smite. Like, if I'm being honest, most of my like knowledge on like the overall knowledge I have of a lot of Norse mythology is because of pop culture. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start a little bit further back, probably into the 1800s. However, this is something that is still massively prominent in our current culture. And that is the opera cycle, Der Ring der Nimmelungen. Gesundheit. Uh, it's four operas Uh, the first one Das Rheingold the second one Die Valkyrie the third is Siegfried and the fourth is Gotterdammerung are you casting a spell on me? yes I'm casting my spell on you Uh, I was going to start singing that (laughs) spell on you but I'm not going to no we don't want to get flagged for you singing something I know it'll sound just like the original (laughs) Um, but these four operas, uh, this cycle of operas, is based on one of the sagas, the the saga of the Volsungs. And uh, there's a lot of other Norse mythology that's involved in it, but uh, it primarily revolves around that particular saga. It's uh, mm. um, I really need to go and like deep dive into Norse mythology. Yeah, it's. I mean, once you do a deep dive, it's like impossible to ever get out. I. Well, maybe now you're scaring me. <laughs> maybe, I own. Maybe, maybe I'll just take my stick my foot in and see if the temperature's nice. I own like an ebook copy of all of the sagas, 
that are known and it's like super long it like i would i got into like 30 different pages and it was still at one percent <laughs> is is there perchance an audiobook i'm sure there is actually we'll get to uh some of the books later there's a particular author that i really enjoy okay uh but yeah the wagner operas i mean they're fantastic i am a huge fan of these operas. I'm not a huge fan of Wagner. I was about to see where you were going to go. I'm like, I know you and I know your opinion on Wagner. I do not like Wagner as a person. I do not like studying him. He's but... a trash bag. <laughs> we won't get into that. That's a, that's a whole episode. That's my hot take on Wagner. Yeah. But these operas are, are really good. Uh, the only thing that I don't like is how long they are because the... A uh, whole opera cycle takes 16 hours to go through, so they have to divide that up into four different nights. And the longest one is a four-hour opera, and I mm, is that it, was the worst. Is that to sit like through. a thing that they would do, like back to back to back to back? No, this one was specifically designed to be performed over four nights. That's what I meant. Like, oh yeah, like yeah. Day after, like you're supposed to like go in like mm-hmm. it's it's like a music festival for opera. Yes, and but with Wagner's, just one mm-hmm. performer, yep, one performing group of people, yep. That sounds, yep. That sounds only slightly better than Coachella. <laughs> but Wagner just set up his own opera festival to be able to perform the Ring Cycle back to back to back uh, because he could, and he was the only one who ever wanted to. Um, say, that seems like <laughs> that seems like a very personal, independent. Like, I don't think anyone was going to fight him on that because... I mean, there are opera companies like the Metropolitan Opera who do the operas in order, like... I imagine maybe like more maybe two t- of them in a season. I was going to say, because they, they, I don't know if they would have the, the a longevity of right. people to want to sit through right. four full, extremely full nights of opera. Right. But the, one of the more recent productions of the whole cycle... Um, uses a, a piece of technology that they call the machine. And it is basically the only piece of set that they have. And it's this kind of paneled wall that sh- that changes shape depending on what you're trying to go through. Like the whole the whole cycle starts off in is it the like water a of the projection screen or is so it that's like... part of it is okay. that it like... has projection has interactive projection so like you can be like walking by it and yeah, uh, like leaves got, will rustle on the back you got like motion sensors and right, or proximity exactly. sensors those kind of, that stuff that Wagner if saw today he would have a he hit... would shit his motherfucking uh, yeah pants he would have a hissy fit over and it. probably blame the Jews. <laughs> Because that's the kind of man he was. Indeed. Anyway, I don't want to keep talking about these operas because there are so many other things that yeah, I really, are involved. You talk enough opera on your other show. I do, yes. So This is a show for fun, yeah. not opera. Right. <laughs> but Just kidding. Opera it was a kind fun. of a... Sorry, my hot take, opera is very fun. I am not shitting on it. <laughs> I do enjoy opera. Good. But... Uh, dating I'm... you... <laughs> we're getting married but i talked about these as kind of the stepping stone into one of the most probably massively well-known portions of our american culture and that is 
The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. I love Elijah Wood. <laughs> I'm talking about Ian the McKellen original books. Ian McKellen is my favorite old gay. <laughs> I'm talking about the books, not the movies. But I mean, of Viggo course, Mortensen did a great job. I'm assuming that you do not like the movies. No, I'm, I'm just... That's my only reference to the Lord of the Rings or the movies. <laughs> I know the books. I know enough about the books. Yeah. I never. I only saw the first Hobbit movie, I'll be honest. I think I've seen two of the Hobbit movies. But that also was kind of a protest move because I thought it was stupid they broke the Hobbit into three movies when it's shorter than each individual Lord of the Ring book. And you were talking really, really quiet. I know. <laughs> that was intentional. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien when he was younger, would translate Norse and Old English texts. Um, the first being the Saga of the Volsungs. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, the Lord of the Rings has more influences from Anglo-Saxon mythology than it has from Norse. I would say, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think, I think more like English, like right. old-time right. fantasy than I think Norse right. Viking fantasy. Right. Um, most of his inspiration was drawn from Beowulf, which hmm. I talked about at the beginning. That uh, also sounds familiar. Yeah, but he did take a lot from Norse mythology. So uh, Gandalf was based on Odin. Hmm. Uh, Tolkien said specifically that uh, Gandalf was to be the kind of modern embodiment of the Odinic Wanderer, um, which if you have ever read hmm. any Norse mythology that Odin likes to travel to earth a lot, dressed up as this old man who wanders and kind of gives advice to humans uh, hmm. and helps them in mysterious ways and kind of just disappears uh, into the mist. And, but there are other Norse references are the, the Balrog, hmm. which this you is starting to get into. Not pass. <laughs> this is starting to get into uh, to territory of the Lord of the Rings that I am not really familiar with. So this is all based on my you research. You don't know about the Balrog. I know. Have you not seen the Lord of the Rings movies? I have, but it's been so oh. long. Uh, it's been such a you long. You know the Balrog is the big fire monster that oh, Gandalf okay. stops with his, his cane. Yeah, and and sacrifices himself before coming back as Gandalf the White. Yeah, to, to get every to let every the rest of the fellowship. Leave the, the, the mines. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, babe. Well, that makes sense because he drew parallels with the Balrog to the fire giant Surtur. That and the collapse of the bridge of Khazad-dûm to the destruction of Asgard's bridge Bifrost. So the whole kind of uh, Balrog yeah. thing is uh, is all Norse-based. Oh, and you can tell even the, the fact that... Um... Peter Jackson knew that because he definitely stayed true to that depiction in the movie. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Very much like knowing kind of what the I've, I've seen like artist renderings of of uh, Surtur Surtur Sartur. How do you uh, Surtur? I mean, this is uh, all in. This is all. I'm gonna say Surtur. Yeah. Surtur. Surtur. <laughs> um, um, but like the artist renderings of 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 his depiction look an awful like of what they designed the Balrog to look right, like. So. Right, absolutely. The Valar, basically subordinate gods or angels to the one god in the Lord of the Rings, um, are basically the embodiments of the Aesir. Hmm. Uh, Thor being the most resembled in both Orome and Tolkas. 
again, I don't have barely understanding the Lord of the Rings, so please don't at me if I said Rome and Tolkien wrong. Take him apart. <laughs> Tear him down. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are so many other things that Tolkien took from the, the Norse mythology. Well, it, it makes sense even with like, like there's a big emphasis on like the importance of the elves in right. Tolkien's stories. And there's the whole mm-hmm. the light realm, and the dark elves. The realm of the, of the elves is a huge, right. Like piece of North mythology. So that makes sense. Yeah. Cause even that makes it kind of a parallel, I guess with a lot of, uh, the Anglo-Saxon mythology too, because mm-hmm. it, it, like elves and fairy and the fae are very right. prevalent in that culture too. I guess that's yeah. where I see the connection. Just one of the many connections to those two different uh, yeah. mythologies. I mean, there was like I said, it's all there's all one umbrella Germanic right. kind of thing, and then and that's what I'm saying. I said, yeah. I see the umbrella now. You see it now. I see it. I seemed it. <laughs> um, but the one of the most important things is the plot of the powerful ring that is cursed to make everyone desire it to the point of destruction. The one ring to, to rule them all? Exactly. That is then destroyed, is derived from the Saga of the Volsungs and the Nibelungen lead. Uh, That's a word. Even more specifically, Wagner's opera cycle, Die Ring der Nibelungen, uh, which Tolkien took from himself, because Wagner... Mm. Although Wagner took from the Saga of the Volsungs, he did do a lot of his own kind of interpretation of it as well. Uh, but Tolkien also took from Wagner for his own kind of uh, interpretations and and uh, adapted it for himself. So if you're watching the operas of the Ring Cycle and you have also watched the uh, Lord of the so Rings, you're going to see a whole lot of connections. You might be able to call the work by Richard Wagner the opera of the rings. Yeah. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we also started this episode talking about the Marvel Universe, which is another huge thing that takes from well, Norse mythology. They clearly just take it as like the basis for what they want oh, to do yeah. with it it's obviously not supposed to be in most ways it's not supposed to be like direct like the north the north pantheon is real and they just live on a space cloud like yeah. it's not <laughs> it's not that cut and dry. there's a lot more of like the way they incorporate it. i know from my because i'm 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 an uber nerd i've mm. even read the comics what i know I'm, you I'm, are a freaking nerd yeah, I'm gonna marry you. I've said that already on this episode. Yeah, that's proof. <laughs> but um, but the way that they kind of justify a lot of it is it's more of like their magic and the powers they have and all these like achievements is more a just a higher understanding of science right, in the yeah. universe of the Marvel, like not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Marvel, all the Marvel universe. Right. So they have a lot more of a like, like they pull a lot from the Norse pantheon. Like you have, they, you know, they have the Bifrost, they have, right. you know, they have a whole arc about Ragnarok. Like right. Just even like the relations for, for the most part, not all of it, but they try, they, I think they try to cut down a lot of like the, like the messiness that can get around a lot of mythology where it's like a lot of extra strings and. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we said multiple times already, the Norse mythologies can get, 
really, really contradictory. Right. They the the different sources that you get will say some things, and so I think what Marvel did was just say, okay, we're gonna take the basis of this, and we're going to kind of pick and choose what we want. They basically went in and said, I only want the interesting parts. Right. That's basically what <laughs> that's they did. That's basically what they did. They're like, oh, Thor, he's thunder? Cool. Lightning? That's awesome. Yeah. Loki? Cool. He does, like, some illusions and trickster stuff. That's cool. Yeah. And they live on, like, a fucking realm and, like, separate from Earth. That's cool. They got a magic bridge? Hell yeah. That's cool as fuck. <laughs> like, that's kind of what they did. And then they're like, they just sort of like let everything else play out in yeah. the way that, and even that again, they don't they specifically, especially in the way that they do like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the more modern adaptations of them of this yeah. of Thor and and the Asgardians is they're just basically aliens and, yeah. le- and less about being like on their own like plane of existence the way that a lot of pantheons right. exist. Right, they're more like no, they're just out in the space cloud. <laughs> chilling in their advanced technology right with yeah. also it's not like yeah they're, they're advanced like they can do like interdimensional planetary travel and yet they still need to use swords and warhammers yeah like, i don't know i don't know i don't i don't get it it's just one of those things i think it's always like when they when they always do those like modern versions of older tales and they're just like they didn't figure out gunpowder but they've got warps. Yeah. <laughs> they've got teleportation. Yeah. <laughs> they can fly through the air, but they can't figure out what a, what a handgun looks like. All right. <laughs> but do you know one of the biggest things that they changed from the myths to the Marvel Universe? No. Loki is not Thor's brother. I mean, he's not technically in, in the Marvel stuff either. No. Yeah. He's a half, not even adopted brother. Right, and in the in the Norse mythologies, they don't even consider them to be even related at all. Uh, Loki is uh, a Jotnar; he's a giant. Yeah, that's how it is in the Marvel movies. And uh, he's a frost giant in the Marvel movies. Right, he's right. Been tricked into believing that he's not, and that's the whole thing. He's... Right, but Loki is not ever tricked to believe that he is related to Odin or Thor or anybody at all. He is, um, he is just a, like almost like a family friend that kind of always gets them into trouble in some way. But so that, that was mm. one of the things that Marvel took on to kind of create more of a, a story. And, and well, a, it makes a clear connection between like Thor is the, the hero and then and Loki's the Loki's villain. A villain. And there's right. a reason for it beyond just being like, Oh, that Loki's a butthead. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, lo- like, cause they have the whole dynamic of Loki being, like compared to Thor constantly and Loki like being second thought for every single thing that's going on. And all he wants is to be appreciated and also wants to be the ruler someday. And that's the whole basis for a lot of his motivations, which is why the whole dynamic makes more sense that way in terms of right. And from a superhero standpoint. Right. I mean, in mythology, he doesn't really go either way. He's either, a really, really good friend, or he is their worst enemy, and there's no in between, and uh, he's is just it's their constant up and downs. But in the end, he is the reason why Ragnarok comes. He's the father of of Hell. He's the father of Fenrir. 
He's the father of the world snake, which that name is escaping my mind. Oh. Uh, and so all three of these kids are the uh, the biggest doom bringers, I guess, with Fenrir being one of the, the largest because he uh, he kills Odin. Jormungandr. Jormungandr, yeah. The, the world snake the world Jormungandr. Snake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the... That's where Loki lies in mm-hmm. mythology that Marvel kind of takes for themselves and adapts it in a way. Well, they also, they're also they also trying to, like, integrate that story with other, like, real-world, quote-unquote, real-world stories that they have yeah. going on. And it makes sense for, for their universe, which... Well, somebody yeah, yeah. like me who is watching these movies and shows and I'm like... But actually, I like to be the well actually kind of person. You really, really do. <laughs> you really do. It's it's been a long, almost three years. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just teasing. Um, no, well, it does. A lot of that that extra stuff doesn't even really usually make sense. And like, yeah, Norman Gonder being a snake that that wraps itself around Midgar or Earth doesn't really make a lot of sense when you have like what is it gonna like just destroy manhattan one day because it just <laughs> decides to roll over while it's sleeping right you know like that's just like it's a thing that you just leave out because it's it just doesn't fit and right it has its place in the story that it comes from so why like you don't need to adapt everything right. because not everything is necessarily what people care about yeah because you would start to have your own series on on something else. It would be right. completely you. At that point, you're you just wouldn't doing... be able to, and you wouldn't be able to take everything from Norse mythology and insert it into the Marvel universe. No. That's that would be stupid. Yeah, it would. It, they might reference things as like as a joke, in, right? In like, in almost almost in the way that they have, especially like a lot of comic references, because they do a lot more of that like cameo style speaking on on their. Right, roots and their origins in the comics because they're a little bit more meta in the comics, but yeah. they'll like make these references almost as if the as guardians as beings that exist in that plane of existence, right, have almost their own pantheon that is all of the rest of the Norse pantheon, right. So they'll make like comments about like Jorgen Monder, but he's not really there. But they reference him as if he's just like an overarching, like invisible yeah. deity being kind of thing. The right. way that we think of them, right? So it almost comes a little bit more meta in that in that way, where mm. you know, right? So that's kind of I think the way that they kind of cover the all the the rest of the baggage that comes with the Norse pantheon and the Norse mythology is by almost pulling the characters they like from it into being their own actual beings and then the rest is their own mythology right independent from being norse it's as guardian mythology at that point right i said that really weird as guardian (laughs) as guardian but there are probably a little bit closer more modern interpretations of these myths i Uh, wonder what you're going to talk about one of the biggest of those is one of the more recent God of War games mm-hmm. when they did the Norse version of that. Well, they yeah, they basically did a crossover of the Greek that they left and entered into Norse because they wanted a progression. Right. Which they uh, did a very well job. They did a really good job. Oh, it's one of my favorite games that I've ever played to date. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a com- combination of it's your favorite of mythologies. Only... Yeah. <laughs> plus the fact that it's like... 
its own story, but not its own. St- like it's. I want to play that game again. You doing something again, Mister? I don't watch TV shows more than once because what's the point? <laughs> Mister, I've already seen that movie, so why do you want to watch it again? Yeah. You want to play a video game again? Huh. There's more that I can probably investigate. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest differences with that is the story of Balder. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the focal points of the God of War game. And yeah. that is one of the things that they kind of interpret for their own. Uh, the whole kind of Balder not being able to feel anything is, and only being affected by mistletoe is probably the biggest thing that they took. Um, Baldir is not the son of Freya. Baldir is the son what? of Frigg, which oh. is he's the son of Odin and Frigg, uh, and not Freya. Um, I mean, that makes sense. They would take Freya because I think Freya is probably more well known yeah. than yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like they they just wanted to have a name that people would immediately connect to, but they right. but they also treat Freya the same way she's treated in. The actual North mythology, though. right? Like, she's they, they an outsider. They don't treat her right. like 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 they treat her that she lives on her own on Midgar and is basically abandoned. Like right. she can't go back home to Vanheim. She's stuck leaving, like living and even the way that they had that little window in her house, you go to visit and there's the window. She can always watch Vanheim, but she can never go. Yeah, like yeah. In the myths, she lives in Asgard. Mm. But uh, she's she's a prisoner there basically because of the terms of the 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 war and the the peace treaty between there. So she doesn't actually live on Midgard in the myths, uh, but she is treated like an outsider, which is what mm. the God of Workings absolutely captured beautifully and kind of living on her own. Nobody ever wanting anything to do with her. Uh, Even Balder in the realm of this 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 myth being the the son of freya like he doesn't want anything to do with her right like they they make sure that she's really labeled as such an outcast except for the only person that actually gives her any actual attention is kratos who doesn't know anything about these gods because he's right. from a different pantheon right in the fiction of the story right absolutely uh so in the myths frigg and baldur have a dream that one day Baldur's going to die. They don't know how he's going to die, but he is going to die. So what Frigg does is she goes around on Midgar or Earth and she asks everything, every object, every living thing to vow to never hurt Baldur. Mm. And so that's what the God of War game does really well is... Rather than putting a spell on Baldir and making him not feel anything, it's just that in the mythology, nothing wants to hurt him. So he can't feel anything because nothing is able to hurt him. Mm. The only thing that she is not able to get a vow from is mistletoe. So... Oh, so that that has to be like an agreement to everything on Earth? Everything on Earth gave their agreement... To not hurt Baldur. Oh, that's different. Yeah. I kind of would like that more. Right. It would have been a cool mechanic to have it be like a... Because I always love that in, in like mythological like stories when they, they reference like all of nature. 
as a as a different right. like each element is essentially being even down to like the rocks right and to the into like the the things that we like really don't think of as as sentient or have any sort of life right i always think that stuff kind well of, although because you don't even have to think of like lava like right. lava had to agree to say yeah or like you know like water water right. had to say i'm not gonna drown you're like, like yeah that's just a weird thing that's like a, such an interesting yeah concept although like Norse mythology is known to have magic in it. Only very specific gods had access to that magic. Odin was one of the very few gods that had access to magic just because he had agreements with certain mythological mm. beings. Uh, and so Frigg going out and getting verbal agreement from every th- possible thing on Earth makes more sense because she didn't have access to magic like her husband did. Mm. So it wasn't like she could have placed a spell on her son to make everything okay. She had to go the long way around Mm. to get everything, Uh, which makes it even more heartbreaking when she doesn't get an agreement from mistletoe. What's mistletoe's problem? Why should (laughs) mistletoe have such a stick stick up its ass against this? Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, there are certain sources that say that that mistletoe said no, and there are other sources that say that she forgot to ask mistletoe, mm-hmm. and then when she got back and realized that mistletoe that she forgot it, she's like, "Oh, it's mistletoe. What can it possibly like kind do?" Of a combination of the two, where she forgot to ask mistletoe, and then mistletoe got like really upset that <laughs> that Frigg forgot about it. Yeah, and then when she went back and been like, "Hey, I didn't forget about you," they're like, "Uh huh." We see through the lies, sis. You forgot about us. Yeah. And was just petty. Yeah. That just makes Mistletoe sound hella gay. (laughs) Because if I know anything about the gays, is they're very petty. Yeah. Very vindictive. You were right. Um, But Loki catches word that Frigg forgot and or got rejected. By up, mistletoe. He's up to some, some tomfoolery. So what he does is he makes a spear out of mistletoe and gives it to Baldur's brother Hodor, which is popularly known today from the Game of Thrones character Hodor. That's not really, I think, a, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's more a name just happened to have the same <laughs> name, but not really the same. Right. Like, Hodor from Game of Thrones is not... No, he's not, he's, but it's just... There's that there's that name connection there. You're right. That's everything. That's, that's everything. Uh, you got Norse mythology and Game of Thrones because right. of that one thing. Right. But at this point, by the time that Loki has made this spear, it has become a game in Asgard to start throwing things at Baldur. So people have, make it a game to just try every possible thing to hurt Baldur, but nothing can do anything. And so what Loki does is he hands uh, Baldur's brother Hodir the mistletoe spear and says, throw it at your brother and see what it does. And so what Hodir does, thinking, oh, nothing has ever worked, nothing ever will, he throws a spear and he kills his brother. What the fuck, Loki? <laughs> so that's what happens with, uh, with the... That does um, not sound like a family friend. That sounds like a... Oh, I mean, yeah. An abusive asshole right <laughs> deserves to be locked up right but that's what happens in the uh the god of war game is uh freya is constantly saying get these mistletoe arrows away from 
from Baldur, and then it turns out to be the only thing that hurts him. Well, it's it literally is the well, it it not only hurts him, but it reverses it. It That's reverses the point. exactly. It, it, it's it reverses like a, the spell. I mean, yeah, that, I think that game tried its best to stay really true to as much as it could. Like, I even thought knowing about the the war between the Aesir and the Vanir, mm-hmm. like in the in the game, there's the gates to all the different uh, realms. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole game. Um, and you can go to like four of them. Yeah. Um. Because then you can go to Muspelheim, and then you can go to uh, Helheim, because a lot of the story takes place there. Alfheim, you can go. I think the only ones you can't go to are Svartalheim and you, and you Asgard. Go, can you can't can you, you go can't to go Asgard? to Asgard, but you also can't go to um, Vanaheim. Right, right. Which is I, which is an, a huge thing because Vanaheim, the mechanic of the game, the reason why you can't go to Vanaheim is that Odin took the the stone that allows you to go to that particular realm and, and like kept it for himself. Mm. I think that's like that's the what happens. So it's like it's there, but you can never go in because it's yeah. been sealed forever. Right. There are other games that use the Norse mythology that I would love to talk about, but unfortunately, I haven't played them yet. Uh, more specifically, the latest Assassin's Creed game, Valhalla. I yeah, would I love to play it. And I haven't played a lot any since the number four, the where your pirates. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the last one I played. Um, there's just so many of them. Yeah. And the there's... story got really convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> there's a content creator online uh, who is also a professor at Colorado University, Colorado State University, I think. I can't remember where he teaches, uh, but Dr. Jackson Crawford, uh, he creates YouTube videos and he has a Patreon page and and a whole bunch of great stuff. And he specifically focuses on the languages of uh, the Old Norse area. And he specifically focuses on the language of the Old Norse countries. Mm. And he teaches old the Old Norse language. And mm. he was actually used as an additional... He was brought on to staff of the Assassin's Creed Valhalla oh, cool. to give yeah yeah they usually do that yeah yeah, to give extra uh assistance in the language and on uh making sure right consulting exactly right um but the reason why i bring up jackson crawford is because he has translations of the poetic edda the saga of the volsungs and the wanderers havamal they're all really really good and I, I own the e-copies of all of them. So if you want to go check those out, go just, into the links in the show email, notes. Just email Stephen and get yeah. those e-books. I love those books. And they're great. I, the Poetic Edda is probably one of my favorite translations. And it, it's it's a, it's great. I just, just, just go and check it out uh, if but, you're really wanting to... Uh, to learn more about, uh, but I like North to mythology. listen to my books, though. He actually has them on Audible. Oh. I think, uh, and he is the narrator of the. Um, I think he did the Audible book for the Poetic Edda. I can't remember if he did the Saga of the Volslings yet, um, but he does. He does narrate his books on Audible. So yeah, you can go check oh. that out too. Well, maybe I will. Yes. Well, that is all we have for this episode. Oh, we're done already. Yeah, we're done. Oh. But we want to uh, do some thank yous. So first, thank you to Daryl Bear for our fantastic theme music. Thank you. 
I want to say thank you to our listeners. Without you, we'd be talking to the void. I mean, we all basically talk to the void on our daily lives anyway, but thank you for listening to us on this one hour that we don't talk into the void. <laughs> thank you for making our lives have meaning. <laughs> we also have a way for you listeners to support us. Absolutely. You can do that on our Patreon page. For a dollar a month, you can give us general support. And for $5 a month, you can support us with additional benefits such as merch discount codes and an ad-free versions of each of our episodes. It really just helps us out. Absolutely. We do this for free for fun. Yeah, and, and it's, it's so just, much fun. It's so much fun, but you know, sometimes it's if you want to like help us get better equipment and keep the show worth doing it just helps out a little bit nice to know that there's the support that's all absolutely and thank you to those who are supporting us already we really really appreciate your help and support and we can't wait to continue creating little bonus content for you and believe us there's so much more to come there are absolutely i have an ever-growing list of topics and i'm excited about all of them Well, thank you, everybody, again, for listening today. Again, I am your host, Stephen Trigar. And I'm your host with the most, Brian Edwards. And we ask you, listener, are you feeling really cultured today? I am. Bye. Bye. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.